I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This is Play Me, Canada's national digital theatre. Each week, we take some of the hottest plays and transform them into contemporary audio dramas. I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Tolley. And today we have a bonus episode, an interview with the playwright Anna Chatterton. Anna Chatterton is quite a force in the Toronto theatre community right now. She recently did a show, or wrote a show called Within the Glass that was at the Tarragon Theatre. And she's currently in a play that she co-wrote and is co-starring in called Gertrude and Alice, a Buddies in Bad Times that she um, is performing and created with Evelyn Perry. Uh, Anna had sent us... Um, uh, a video of Quiver uh, around the time that actually I had gone to see Within the Glass, which I loved, loved her writing. And we we're really excited to hear from her and to to get a copy of this play for her, our consideration. And one of the reasons we chose Quiver as the next piece to feature was because it was not only just well-written, but it was also a great contrast to the last piece that we featured. Better Angels was very much based in realism, where this one has more magical, fantastical elements. It's, it's almost like an audio cartoon, which we found incredibly intriguing, and it really helped pull us into the story. I think I also really like that um, the play is from the perspective of a 14-year-old girl. Uh, it's a, un- a unique perspective to get into that headspace, and because it is... Um, um, primarily monologue based, you really get a sense of um, of uh, where she's at in her life and what she's thinking. And uh, it's kind of a sad circumstance that she finds herself in, but um, but it is a, a, a play with um, with hope and joy. If you haven't already had an opportunity to listen to Quiver, please go into our archives and listen to some of the past episodes and you can hear all about the piece that we're talking about. And we also would like to take the opportunity to thank all of our listeners for the outpouring of support. We really do appreciate it. We've been on New and Noteworthy on iTunes for the past seven to eight weeks and all of the reviews and ratings have really made a big difference to Play Me. And we also wanted to say that if you like Play Me and this is something you enjoy, please consider rating us on iTunes. The ratings and reviews make a huge difference in helping us get the plays and the shows out to a broader public. Earlier today, I had a chance to speak to Anna Chatterton about her new play, Quiver. It was originally created as part of her thesis when she was at the University of Guelph. She then brought on director Andrea Donaldson to work on the piece as director and dramaturg. You can see Quiver on stage this October. The theater hasn't announced it yet, but watch for it in April. This is my interview with Anna. Talking is good. Okay. Then I don't have to ask so many questions. Okay. So thank you so much for talking to us today. My pleasure. Um, I wanted to start by finding out what was your entry point to the theater? I know that you're an actor and a writer. How did you get started? 
Well, I went to theater school, as everybody in theater seems to have done for acting. Um, I went to Concordia. I was in the theater performance program. And I even then I knew because I had gone to an arts high school as well, I always kind of knew that being a gigging actor was not for me. And yet I liked to perform and I loved theater. I was addicted to theater as theater makers are. And so um, in my third year of theater school, um, Kit Brennan, a playwright in Toronto, and a couple of our other professors, theater professors, hired some students and some, I think, graduating students to be in a show where we worked with physical theater and poetry. And that's was my first exposure really to seeing the different kinds of theater that could be made. And we sort of devised it while we were doing that production. You know, they they relied on us as performers to inspire them as directors. And so when I got out of theater school um, with uh, Evelyn Perry, who I had also done some work with, actually we weren't in the same year, but um, I had done work with while at Concordia, and Evelyn Perry is now the artistic director of Buddies in Bedtimes Theatre, she and I both loved poetry, loved the poetic voice, and we're both writers, but I guess weren't yet thinking of being of writing for ourselves. And so inspired by that project, we decided to do a similar thing where we worked with two other performers um, with the poetry of Margaret Atwood and Bronwyn Wallace. And that went over very well. Um, and then uh, the other two sort of dropped off, didn't continue in the theater world, but Evelyn and I were completely invested. And so I went to um, the One Yellow Rabbit. They do a sort of a laboratory every summer. Um, and so I went to do that laboratory. And in it, you had to, as part of this three-week course, you had to write your own piece, solo piece, a 10-minute piece. And so that was really the first time I, ever, I had ever done something like that. And so that was the first time I had ever done something like that. And so I wrote a piece called Clean Irene. And it was a solo piece that was written entirely in rhyme. And it was about a woman who kept her lovers hidden in her bo- different body parts or discovered that even after she had broken up with her lovers, they were hidden in different body parts. And so I performed that. I did. I sort of did that about town um, when I came back to Toronto. And Evelyn saw it and really loved it. And then we decided we should apply for the Rhubarb Festival together, and which then means you have to write something. <laughs> and so um, I suggested, I, I made a few suggestions, and one of them was, what if we expanded this clean Irene play into a full-length play following an alphabetic um array of females who all died as a result of their obsessions, which is what happened to Clean Irene in that little short. So she really liked that idea. And so that was our first play that we wrote together. And we had a lot of fun. And and uh, we brought on Karen Rendoja as our director. And we had, you know, we really hit it off artistically. And she came from Devise Theatre. She was one of the founders of Primus Theatre in Winnipeg. Um, a few decades ago at this point. And so we won the Summerworks Prize with Clean Irene and Dirty Maxine. And the prize is <laughs> a work project, which is that you win a free slot in the next year's festival. And so we had to create another play. <laughs> and so we we devised that piece, working with Karen Rendoja as a co-creator. So she would give us tasks, and then Evelyn and I would, writing tasks or physical tasks, and Evelyn and I would go off and write. And so that that was when our theater company, The Independent Aunties, begun, um, began. And uh, so we did, we've written six plays together, including Gertrude and Alice, which is currently playing at Buddies and Bedtimes Theater. 
So while doing that, about 12 years ago, I also got into writing for opera, writing the words for opera. And so I sort of got swept up in that world. And so that sort of is uh, the world that I was in um, for uh, a good long time in my career, writing the the words for theater, writing libretti, I mean, sorry, for opera, writing the, that was sort of how I got swept up the last um, 15 years or so was co-creating and writing plays with my theater company and writing for opera. And then I started to feel that I wanted to um, investigate what it was to be a solo artist again, since those two mediums are um, those two projects, however you want to put it, uh, are very collaborative, which I love. But I wanted to challenge myself to see if I could write myself and create for myself. So I wrote Quiver and I wrote a play called Within the Glass that was recently produced at Tarragon Theatre. And so that was my long-term path. <laughs> so um, I've heard you talk about this before, but um, I'd love it if you would talk a little bit about the difference of uh, writing for opera versus writing for theater and, and what that approach is like. Mm -hmm. Don't hear about that many. It's true. From that many librettists. I yeah. Think it's interesting. Yeah. Um, well, for me, I think of it as dramatic poetry because it's a very, very spare, minimal text that you need to write because you need to leave room for the composer to make music. And you have to, rem like, I have to always remind myself that music can do something that words can't do. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's added, well, it's always adding a mood. It's, it's, sometimes it can give better emotion than words can, thus the very spare text. And of course, music takes longer than text. Um, and so, that's how I write um, for opera is that I really think of it. I, it's my opportunity to write in a poetic voice, which is probably why I fell in love with the medium, because I do like to write in a poetic voice, sort of, you know, talking about those roots that I came from when I first started making theater, working with poetry. And so um, I'd say that's the significant difference, because um, other than that, you know, you have to keep it very um, structured and um, high stakes, all the things that you need for theater. But for me, the difference is the spareness and leaving the room for the music. And how do you collaborate with a composer? What's what's the working relationship? How does that? Well, because I'm very collaborative minded, I really do like to come up with the idea together with a composer. It's very rare that I will pitch an idea to a composer. Um, the composers that I work with most often are Juliet Palmer and James Rolfe, who actually happen to be husband and wife couple. They sometimes call me their household librettist. And they are both very dramatically minded. They see a lot of theater. And so they're very easy to collaborate with on ideas. And also, it's very important for um, for composers to be invested in the idea because they are ultimately going to take my words. That's what comes first is the text. And then they set my words to music. And they need to feel as invested as I did in writing it so that they can then connect to the characters and write the story. Um, compose the story. So we will discuss, um, you know, what ideas we might write about. We'll discuss character. And then we'll break it down where we will discuss scene by scene, beat by beat almost, what's going to happen, what I'm going to write. So then I'm sort of free to go off and write within these constraints of what we've already decided on. And then, of course, things will always change or something won't work. And I'll go back to the composer and we'll discuss it. But it's a, for me, it's a wonderfully structured way to write 
write, which I don't usually do in playwriting, um, but so that we both have sort of bashed it all out and f- tried to think through all troubleshooting, all the questions that might arise, so that we both feel really good about what we're about to embark upon and then go for it. <laughs> and what about the language in opera? Does, I mean, this is a dumb question, but does it does it have to rhyme? I know you had mentioned um, certain words or certain sounds are better than others. It doesn't have to rhyme, which is something that I really like. Um, and uh, however, you do have to, you know, pay attention to, you know, sometimes if you have like a word that's five syllables or four syllables, sometimes by the time you get to the end of that word, the audience is going to have forgotten what word it was. And so it doesn't mean that you have to write just one syllable words, but sometimes, the, you know, I have had the composer come back to me and say, um, can we try a, a, a different word? And also eyes, just the, the eyes in the letter I in a word doesn't sing that well. Um, so, you know, and of course, opera singers love the ah and the oh. So often, for example, with names, I'll name them something like Mona or, um, yeah, there's a lot of A's at the end of my names, Roy, something that will sing well if it's going to be said a few times, you know, you, of course, if it's love and that sort of thing, and they're going to repeat the name, I try and choose names that aren't like Jam or something like that. I feel bad because that's my husband's name, but <laughs> he wouldn't get, he wouldn't get included in, um, in an opera just because it, Eh, that eh sound. I always think of composers. I've said that to me several times. It just doesn't sing well. So that sort of um, word choices I do think about. But uh, in general, I think of when I'm writing, I know that it's being sung. So I sort of sing it in my head. Um, not that an, an I not that I am an opera singer um, and not that that is necessarily how it usually sounds in the end after it's been said, although from time to time it has mimicked what I've heard in my head. But therefore, I know it's not going to be, you know, a spoken voice on stage. I know it's going to be sung. And so I have to think about that when I write. Are you musical yourself? I can carry a tune. I can sing on stage and I have sung on stage, but I'm not, I'm not an opera singer. I don't really read music that well. You know, I have a rudimentary understanding of how to read music, but I didn't study it other than what I did and, you know, what we all did in school back in the day. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I think there are, I know there are librettists who can read music, but I don't happen to be one of them because I, I write the text first. Um, it's just, it's not necessary. However, I'm getting better at it. I've noticed. The, I d- just recently did a workshop of a opera that's upcoming, and I was like, oh, I really am catching on here 12 years later. <laughs> I know you touched upon Independent Aunties and Gertrude and Alice, the show that you're doing right now. I just wanted to briefly, before we get to Quiver, just talk a little bit more about the Devise Theatre that you and Evelyn do and, and what your process is, because I, I just find it interesting that you write for yourself, you write as a collaboration, and you write as a librettist. So there's three different approaches. Can you talk a little bit more about how you guys create? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, the, other than Clean Irene and Dirty Maxine, in which Evelyn and I wrote ourselves, and then Karen came on to direct it, from then on, the, the next five plays that we created together, we created with the three of us in the room, often in the studio. So Karen Randoja, Evelyn Perry, and myself. Um, uh, you know, often task oriented. By that I mean, Karen Randoja will give us tasks, um, go write a monologue, go create a movement sequence based on these words, um, you know, look at photos and exactly imitate, you know, down to the pinky finger, 
exactly that pose that that woman is, you know, say a superhero, for example, we've done in the past, has has a physical pose, mimic that exactly, find and then feel that and find text to write a monologue from that. And then we'll start to sort of bit by bit put the play together. I'll write a monologue, I'll write a scene, Evelyn will write a scene or a monologue. And then we just give it to each other and we have free reign to edit and or change. And um, we sort of, you know, my other collaborator, sometime collaborator, um, Andrea Donaldson, calls it smashing, where you smash two texts together. So we might take two monologues, I'll write a monologue, Evelyn will write the same monologue, you know, say say for the same character, and then we'll smash them together and come up with something stronger than what both of us wrote. And, you know, in the way that we work, we will, if somebody cuts something that, you know, say if I cut something that Evelyn loved, she will fight for it and vice versa. And whoever's the stronger convincer wins. Um, but yeah, we've written we've written a bunch of different ways. Also, I should say that two of the plays that we wrote, including a play called Breakfast that was done through the theater center at first in a residency there. And then we remounted it at Buddies and Bad Times Theater. That was created with Brendan Healy as the director and co-creator and Karen Randoja and Evelyn and myself were the actors in it. And so with him, we worked in different ways where we worked... Um, at the beginning, we worked with what's called compositions, where you're given at where Brandon would give us a list of objects and or physical um, movements or phrases that we needed to include, and then would give us say four hours to come up with a piece that would include all of these bits of tasks. So for example, he might ask for 10 seconds of absolute silence or 20 seconds of laughter, or we had to include the word watermelon in the piece or um, an element of surprise. And so while we were in residency at the theater center where we created breakfast, you know, we were running around. It was back when it was underneath the great hall. We were running around in the bowels of that, that theater and the basement and the bathroom creating these pieces. And then what you end up creating is very imagistic often not you know spare text and from that it sort of inspires all of us to to see what we're creating and and so you're creating in a very um intuitive way not from your brains but from in your gut and so often the pieces that you create you would never be able to think of ahead of time and so thus um, the play breakfast was born and so yeah that's you know I don't know if we even name it always that we call the way that we create devise theater. Um, although that is, of course, where their roots are coming from. But we call it co-creation, a collaborative creation. And then Evelyn Perry and myself always as the writers. How is that different when you write for yourself without um, the prompts and tasks and, and people to feed off of for a show like Quiver? How does, how do, what is your process for that? Well, particularly for Quiver, let's say, as, as an example of a solo piece that I wrote, um, that one I wrote while I was doing my master's of, in creative writing at the University of Guelph. Judith Thompson was my advisor, and that was my thesis project. And we were originally going to work on another play, but um, I was really developing the other play. It was Within the Glass through Tarragon Theatre, and Judith said, you know what? Why don't you write something new? And I am a fairly slow writer. I'm not, I don't think of myself as someone who's very prolific. And so it kind of scared the bejesus out of me. And she said, just write for 40 minutes every day. And that's it. And I sort of had four months 
before I had to hand him my thesis. But that's very Judith Thompson. She writes, I think she thinks about it for a long time, then she writes it in a flash. And it's always brilliant, of course, being Judith Thompson. But so she really wanted me to try this. And it was an excellent challenge and one that I actually was able to meet. It felt doable, manageable to write for 40 minutes every day slowly piece together a play and then of course revisions um and so that's what I did for that process was I you know I had um an idea that you know I had been mulling over for years so that was part of it it wasn't just you know something I came up with the day before something was something I'd always been curious about writing and then I used my family dynamics and character maybe some characteristics from my family to help inspire character and relationship and so that helped that probably helped me write it quickly as well because I was more familiar with the dynamic that I was dealing with I didn't have to do a lot of research and that leads me to, I was going to ask you what the inspiration for the character of Maddie was. Are you taking it from your own world or? Yeah, I'm definitely, Maddie is definitely inspired by the kind of person that I was when, the kind of teenager that I was, for sure. I mean, she's a more exaggerated form of who I was. And of course, there's fiction built on top of it, as there inevitably is when you're writing. But definitely, um, I was, you know, the, the similarities that I share with Maddie was her shyness and her rich imaginary world and um and her fears um and her anxiety and then I I sort of you know made it more dramatic but that is that is where she was born from so that made it easier to write and also very interesting (laughs) um what's so amazing about that play is it has these three very distinct characters that are very strong characters that are that you wrote but that you also perform and um, uh, and manipulate your voice to to give a greater exaggeration between the voices. Can you talk a little bit about about that and how you perform it as a solo show? Because you, when you're listening to it, it does not feel that way at all. Yeah. So what I'm doing is I'm using a vocal processor and I'm changing. We I, it's a pre decided on tone, you know, a pre decided on voice that I came up with with the sound designer, Michael Rinaldi, and the director Andrea Donaldson. And we decided on uh, Michael and I worked for three days trying to find the correct pitch and tone and sound of each of the three characters. And then when we found them, I always was like, that's it. You know, I always could tell, I was able to tell with each of them what felt correct. And then, so those are the voices that I'm pressing that we pre put into the vocal processor. And then I'm pressing on each one for Maddie, for B and for Sheila. Um, And then those, those sounds of their voices then informed my character, I would say, like it informed, I mean, it was was pre written, but I did make revisions based on sort of this image of this person that was born from these voices that we had found. And then we decided quite early on that we were going to have me control all of the sound cues as opposed to traditionally would be a um, a stage manager doing it up in the booth. And so I control all the sound cues. Try- and we really were trying to make it work as a, make it as if you're watching a radio play in action. Um, and so I'm controlling, I'm controlling all sounds that you hear and all effects as well. The vo- The vocal processor has these amazing effects. And so um, for example, in the druggy part, I am I am doing that sort of live where I'm making a sound sort of I like I know what sound I need to kind of make to sort of 
initiate the sound and then I'm sort of morphing the sound, which is really fun to do because then I can control it as I'm doing it. And there are various other parts. And of course, the uh, in the play in which I'm doing that, and of course, the repetition, the looping, I'm doing that looping live, which took a lot of practice. <laughs> I think it's one thing to do like a, a one person show, but then to be controlling all of the sounds at the same time to me is a very, seems like a very daunting thing. Is it just a question of practice and muscle memory? It is challenging for me. Uh, it was a challenging process, one that I wanted to learn, but I don't think of myself as a techie person. It was my partner, Jim Rexton, who, who's a new media artist who found the vocal processor, processor for me after I told him what I wanted to try to do. And um, I did, I really had to learn it with the help of Jim, but also with the sound designer, Mike Rinaldi, you know, to try and figure out what this piece of equipment was, what this musical instrument per se is. And then I practiced like mad to before we went into rehearsal um, to try and understand what I needed to do, particularly the looping. The looping is a particular art of, you know, that, that is all about timing. And so, yeah, I had, I had to work quite hard, but it was one that I really wanted to learn because I'm very interested in sound and one that I would like to explore further. Um, and so I was really eager to learn it. It just was, you, it's almost a joke between me and my partner. It is a joke because of course, you know, I just, I'm not technically savvy, <laughs> but now you could say that I am just one step further. <laughs> I think so. Um, I, I understand that there will be an opportunity to see Quiver in, I know it was originally at um, Theatre Aquarius, but that it will be coming to Toronto soon to be announced, correct? Yes, yes. I can't say the name of the theatre yet, but it will be playing in Toronto in October and early November of 2016. Fantastic. And anything else? What 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 is next on the horizon for you? Well, coming quite right up next in the end of May is Rocking Horse Winner, a libretto that I wrote with um, Irish composer who lives in Scotland, Gareth Williams. Um, ta so Tapestry Opera is producing our opera, Rocking Horse Winner, which is based on a D.H. Lawrence short story called The Rocking Horse Winner. So that's what's up next immediately. Thank you so much. It's been great talking oh, to you. It's been a pleasure working with you too. Thank you so much. <laughs> That was Laura Mullen talking with Quiver playwright Anna Chatterton. Now is the time that we announce the next play in the Play Me series. Next week, we feature the first installment of Low or Dear Mr. Wells, a play by Rose Napoli. Low or Dear Mr. Wells is a play about a vulnerable 15-year-old student who has an affair with her married English teacher. Visit playmepodcast.com to learn more about our shows, leave a comment, or let us know what you think of our podcast. Play Me is produced by Laura Mullen and Chris Tolley. The associate producer is Pippa Johnstone. Play Me is funded by the Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. Special thanks to our partners, the Playwrights Guild of Canada, Factory Theatre, Tarragon Theatre, and the Musical Stage Company. Play Me is an Expect Theatre production. For more information, please visit playmepodcast.com. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.